Good morning, everyone, and a very, very warm welcome to you all to our morning service. It's, uh, it's great that many of you remembered to turn your clocks backwards or forwards, or whatever it was that we were supposed to do, and, and you're all here on time. It's, uh, it's great to, to have you uh, with us. Uh, as we journey through the service today, uh, Colin will be speaking to us on uh, 1 John 4, uh, considering the question of what is true spirituality. So let's... Uh, Ready ourselves uh, for the service this morning. Uh, let me just take a moment uh, to pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for gathering us uh, together this morning. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us uh, put down the distractions, uh, the things that are uh, jumbling around in our minds and in our hearts. I pray that by your spirit you would help us uh, to keep our eyes fixed upon you. Uh, make our hearts expectant, expect, expectant that we would hear from you, uh, that you would speak to us powerfully this morning as we journey through the service, as we sing songs of praise and adoration, as we hear your word read and preached, and as we feast at your table. Uh, speak to us, quicken our hearts, draw our eyes and our affections toward you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the psalmist in Psalm 97, uh, he closes his psalm uh, with these words, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to rejoice in the Lord. We know that, uh, uh, that the father has sent the son uh, to live the life that we should have lived and then to die the death that we deserve, that we might be called children of God, for indeed that is what we are. And in that truth, we can rejoice. And so we've just sung, sung these amazing words, haven't we? All hail, Redeemer, hail. For thou hast died for me, I pray shall never, never fail throughout eternity. <coughs> Fabulous words, aren't they? But as we reflect, as we look back uh, at uh, this week, um, this last day, maybe even just this morning, you know, our hearts have not been full of praise for the one who has died for me. So we come now to a time of confession uh, to bring those things that we've done that we know that don't please our Heavenly Father and just to say sorry uh, for those things. So Christ, the light of the world, has come to dispel the darkness of our hearts. In his light, let us examine ourselves and confess our sins. So now in the quietness of your own heart, just take a moment uh, to bring those times before our Heavenly Father when we've lived in a way that we know that does not please Him. So let me say some words of confession. You can echo these in your own heart. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor in thought and word and deed through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. So hear these words of comfort. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon us. Pardon and deliver us from all of our sins. Confirm and strengthen us in all goodness and keep us in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, 
our Lord. Amen. Uh, We now come to that part of the service where we ready ourselves for the reading and the preaching of God's word. Uh, So as we... uh, As we prepare for that, Thelma's going to come up and she's going to lead us in our prayers. Shaz will then come and give us our reading and Colin will speak to us. Dear Lord and Father, we do thank and praise you that we meet together today to just to praise and worship you and to thank you for so much blessing. We thank you and praise you for our Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour, who promises eternal life to all those who come to know and love trust and serve him and we thank you for our church family lord and we want to pray for our pastors thank you that uh, neil and liz have been able to visit uh, david and binny makaya in india and as they enjoy a few days holiday just now we pray that you'll bring them back safely this week and prepare them and all the arrangements for the funeral of liz's mother on sun on saturday we thank you that Colin has been able to visit Pastor Julian uh, in Romania, and we pray that you'll continue to bless his work there. Lord, we thank you for the um, connection that we have with the work in Romania. And we pray for Saab, who is in his ongoing ministry here. We thank you for him, and we pray that you'll undertake for him as he continues to serve here. Pray that you'll undertake for this church family in every way. We thank you for your blessing upon us in so many ways. We thank you for bringing Dave back safely from his visit to Eswatini. And we pray for your continued blessing on him as he prepares for future service with Wycliffe Bible translators. Lord, we thank you for so many good things that are happening. We pray for the needs of our country, Lord, and there's so many things going on at the moment, but we thank you that we can commit the future and the problems to you, that you will bless and undertake and direct our new government and our Prime Minister, Lord, that you will just enable them to see the way forward. Lord, we thank you for so many good things, and we now commit ourselves to coming before you to hear your word. Lord, we thank you that it is readily available in our own language, and you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. So we pray that you'll be with Colin as he brings your words to us now. And, Lord, that each of us might have hearts and minds that are open to receive it and then to be able to put into practice what we learn. We give you thanks for all your grace and goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning's reading is from 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 21. And in the Blue Church Bibles, that's on page 1227. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. 
This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Amen. Thank you, Shaz. As we come to God's word now, let us bow our heads in prayer. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into us we pray that as we hear your word spoken to us in the power of your spirit that we would see jesus in all his glory and goodness and grace help us in jesus name amen i wonder if you've ever spoken to someone uh, about church or perhaps about faith and when you've spoken to them they have said to you i'm not religious I'm spiritual. One article, one online article says that the average person, when they speak about being spiritual, what they mean by that is they're, they're seeking or, or experience a connection, uh, experiencing a connection um, with a greater reality, however they might define that. Uh, but meanwhile, the religious person, they would say, is, is often uh, what it's meant to, to belong to a certain group with certain doctrines and rituals. People who identify as spiritual but not religious might pray, they might meditate, they might practice yoga or do other spiritual things in order to, to try and get away from what is the religious or traditional forms of religion. In recent research, 20% of Brits and 25% of Americans would consider themselves spiritual but not religious. That is one in five or one in four. They're saying that, that they are not a, they're not a cold-hearted atheist. 
And yet at the same time, they wouldn't consider themselves what they might think as moralistic or traditional in that way. They are open, friendly, and spiritual. Being spiritual is normally focused or it normally focuses on an individual's sense of freedom. Freedom from the stresses of life, the many stresses, and in practicing spirituality, it is that in some way, as one article would say, that you can find your identity out there. As while spirituality might promise freedom, many who practice it are, are still on a quest. They're still on a quest to ask, well, who am I? And why am I here? And if that describes you this morning, then welcome. You are very welcome. I pray that this message will speak to you, that it will speak to you where you are in your life right now. In the Bible, God says that he has placed eternity in the hearts of people. As we are made to know him and made to live with him forever, to have an eternal relationship with him forever. As all people know, in some sense, in the depths of their hearts, that there is a God, but at the same time, they are fumbling around in the dark without any revelation of who he could be. Without revelation, we don't know who God is. And let me propose this morning that as we think about that, that Jesus, it is only through Jesus that we can know the truth about God, about who he is and about what he's done. As it is, it's really through a personal relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship with him that we can know what it means to know God. And we do that firstly through the spirit of truth. As we enter into chapter 4, if you have your Bibles there, John uh, calls us not to believe every spirit, but instead to test the spirits. Test them to know whether they are from God or not. As he says, many false prophets have gone out into the world. And then he says in verse 2 and 3, This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Jesus' message, uh, John's message as it is throughout this letter, is to say that there there are many people, there are many people who claim to speak for God, And yet, they don't speak for God. They are, in fact, what would be false prophets. They deny that Jesus came in the flesh. And and John gives them the label antichrists, as he does throughout the letter. Anti meaning against Christ, against what Christ would teach. Because the primary role of the Holy Spirit is to shine a spotlight on Jesus. That he lights him up. And that we would see Jesus for who he is. Because Jesus himself, he says in the Gospel of John in chapter 15, when the advocate comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. As the spirit of God should lead us to the Son of God. 
And this is really, really important. It's really important for our own lives for a number of reasons. Firstly, because if we, if we don't believe who God is, who, who Jesus is, that he is both fully God and fully man, then we don't know what salvation is. We cannot be saved because it is only the true Jesus that saves us from our sins. And secondly, it also highlights the true spirit of God as opposed to the false spirits. It means that the groups like the Jehovah Witness, who do not acknowledge Jesus both as fully God and fully man, do not have the Spirit of God. They would say that Jesus is he's an angel, or perhaps he's a messenger from God, but he is not God himself. And so we must test the spirits to know what is true. John draws a clear distinction in those who speak for God and those who don't. As he says from verse 5 and 6. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We, that is the apostles, we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. This is really stark. The contrast is bold and stark. Because one message is from the world and one message is from God. As he writes, they are from the world, but we are from God. The we are the apostles of Jesus, those who have been led by the Spirit to to write down Holy Scripture, those who have the authority to write down Scripture and to speak for God. And so how do we compare the, the false spirits versus the Spirit of God? By what standard? How do we know? The Word of God is our standard. It is our standard in everything. The Lord's standard for false prophets is described in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18 verses 20 to 22. There are those who claim to be prophets, but but the Lord says that they speak presumptuously. That is that they speak as if they're from God, but they're not. And the penalty for doing so, for speaking as if they're from God, but not, is death. And so in that sense today, we cannot say, thus says the Lord. We cannot say that God told me definitively this. Because that would be to be a prophet. As the Bible is our ultimate authority. It is the full, sufficient word of God for practice and for faith in our lives. Now don't misunderstand me that the Lord by his spirit can work in miraculous and mysterious ways. The Lord, he guides us, he leads us, he can give us impressions in life that we would sense where we're leading in in life. He can work in miraculous ways, especially on the mission field where the spirit of God is at work in ways that is not the the same way here. But at the same time, he, he does normally work by the Spirit and through his words. To claim that we we speak on on God's behalf 
outside of scripture is to add words to scripture. Words that God has not given us. And so as we think of false prophets, they can pop up everywhere. You only need to to look on the internet for a couple of minutes and you see that there, there are many people who would consider themselves prophets that speak for God and yet what they say does not happen. Or even those perhaps from more traditional denominations, they they might claim that they speak from God, that they represent God, but as they deny scripture and instead speak words from the world, the words that the world likes, especially perhaps in the area of things like sexuality, they display that they are not speaking from God's word. They are not speaking on behalf of God. They're not speaking by the spirit of Christ but they're speaking by the spirit of the anti-Christ. And so in a sense, there's a warning for each of us, a a calm warning for each of us, that we must be like the the Berean people in Acts 17, those who study the scripture daily. They study the scripture daily and diligently so as not to fall into error, that we wouldn't be led astray by false spirits. Because depending on your context, it really depends what those false spirits are. Imagine perhaps if you're a Christian in Eswatini and someone says to you that they have a prophecy from God. How do you discern if it's from God or not? Imagine you're in India and you're surrounded by Hindus and they say they have a word from God to you. Imagine you're in an Eastern Orthodox context like Romania or the Ukraine and someone says they speak from God to you. Or imagine you're just in your workplace or at school and someone turns around to you and says, I have a word of God, from God to you. How do you know? How do you know? Because the spirit of truth will only lead us to the word of truth. The Spirit will only speak to us through the Bible that we would know for sure that God is speaking to us with clarity, certainty, and sufficiency. That we would know that he speaks to us through his Son, the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ. And this is how we can know how to discern between what is from God and what is not, what is good and what is evil. And therefore, in that sense, we need to build good daily patterns of being in the word, not just, not just reading it, but actually studying it, meditating on it, being shaped by it, being transformed by it, that it wouldn't just skim the surface, but go deep into our hearts, that we would be formed by it, that we would be people of the word, that we would eat the word of God and delight in it. As we turn down the volume, really, on the the prophets of doom today who tell us that the world is burning in every possible form and fashion that we would listen to the calming voice of the Lord in scripture as we have a personal relationship with Jesus we can know the spirit of truth which allows us to know the love of God as John says from verse 7 and onwards he says dear friends Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
The call from God, uh, which, which John lays out, is not just to, to tolerate other people, but to love them, to really love them. And we're not just left to ourselves, to our own devices, to our own strength to do that. No, God empowers us by his spirit that we would love other people. That his love comes from God, that he abides in us by his spirit. And this is perhaps especially true when we, when we disagree with someone. Maybe in our family, in our workplace, in our school. We, we have an argument, we have a disagreement over something. As to have a true and living faith in the Lord Jesus, we should be marked not by holding grudges, not by being passively aggressive to people, but by forgiveness and love. Because if you look outside to the world for a moment, you see that the world doesn't deal well with this, with disagreement at all. Often if you, if you disagree with someone, it means that you hate them. That they, because you don't agree, then in some way that it's a personal insult. You see that especially online and social media and in different forms of communication. And yet as Christians, we should be totally different from that. And that means dying to ourselves. Dying to what we would like to say and often showing grace to the other person. As we live by the Spirit of God and not by our own desires. As love is it's not passive, but it is active. Not passive, but active. As John says in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's love is displayed to us in its supremacy to, uh, to us through the Lord Jesus, through the, the Father giving his Son for us. And God, he didn't need to do that. It's not like, uh, like a, a battery on a phone that was running low, that he needed to in some way be charged up by us, by our love. Now, he would be perfectly fair and just and right just to leave us in our sins. Because we don't in any way deserve his love. We have all gone astray. We have all turned our back on God. Because the amazing truth is not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We didn't seek him. We didn't cash in all our good chips of good acts and deeds that that in some way he might perhaps toss a crumb of love in our direction now God doesn't give us leftovers he gives us the fullness of his love because he gives us his son in complete fullness the sinless one dies for the sinful ones the righteous one dies for the unrighteous The just one dies for the unjust. Jesus takes the punishment that we deserve. As at the cross, the justice and love of God meet. As the wrath of God is satisfied and that by believing in him, we can have this eternal love, that we can know the love of God through him. 
But why would he do that? Why would Jesus die for me? As perhaps, maybe for a moment, we might think, maybe we do deserve it. Maybe we have in some way done something to receive God's love. That God looks down and thinks, well, they've perhaps done more good than bad. And actually, you know, this week has been not a bad week. So in some way and somehow, I do deserve God's love. Maybe we've helped others, been kind to them. Maybe we've given to the poor or charity or helped other people in some form or fashion. That we maybe think that we do deserve God's love. And what we're saying there is not that God loved me, but that I loved him. But that's not, that's not what it says, is it? No, God loved me even when I didn't love him. And this is the love of God. God loves because he freely chooses to love. He loves us because he loves us. As the hymn writer says, Oh, what wondrous love is this. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. There is no other response to the love of God other than to just worship him for who he is and what he's done. As it's through a personal relationship with Jesus that we can know the spirit of truth, the love of God, and lastly, the assurance of heaven. 1 John is a fantastic letter which continually speaks of the assurance of heaven as the spirit of God works in us. As John says from verse 11 into 12, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In living a life of love, it shows that we truly are born again by the Spirit of God. It shows that we really are children of God and that heaven is our home. As it's the Spirit of God at work in our hearts that testifies that we know Jesus, that we love Jesus Christ. As we sacrificially love others in a, in a Christ-like way, it, we can experience more of God's love in our lives as well. And this is really what we might call the, the cruciform life, that our lives are shaped by the cross as we die to ourselves and live for Christ. It might mean really that we, we die to things which are, which are secondary. Things that maybe at church, things at work, things at school. We might have a, a preference about something, but we need to hold it open-handed as we seek to love others well. Because real love is sacrificial. It's costly. It flows out of the costly nature of God's love for us that we would live lives of love in a similar way. And so the question is, are there things in your life that you simply just need to die to, that you would need to lay down as you seek to love others well? Because the way of love is death. Life is on the other side. And this is the way of the cross, death and resurrection. As his spirit works in us to transform us and to assure us of his love and of our inheritance in heaven. 
All this is based not on, not on how we feel, but on the, the truth of God's word as it shapes us by his spirit. As John goes on to say in 16 and verse 16 and 17. And so we know and rely on the love uh, that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us. That we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. We can know the assurance of heaven as we experience the love of God in all its fullness in our lives. As we live in relationship with God, a relationship of love with him. Because God is love. Not that God shows his love in some form or fashion, that he mirrors love, that he is like love. No, God is in his very being love. Because God in the Trinity, in the three persons, in one being, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit enjoy a relationship of love forever. An eternal relationship As the Father enjoys an eternal relationship of love with the Son, the Son with the Father, and the Spirit with the Son and the Father, and so on. That they would enjoy this dynamic relationship of love forever, in all eternity. As God was, and is, and always will be, love. This dynamic of love is displayed in that in the Trinity of how they display it to us. And so if God is is loving himself, then how can he stop loving us if we are in Jesus? To do so would be to deny himself, to deny who he is, because God is love. And therefore, God's love it gives us confidence. Confidence that we need not fear because fear, because fear has to do with punishment. And we know that Jesus took all of our punishment in full on the cross. And so that today for, for those of us trusting in the Lord Jesus, all we can do today is draw near to our heavenly father and enjoy the love of God. Because we love because he first loves us this is really the amazing grace of god to us in jesus because all other ways of trying to prove ourselves to god are exhausting if it's perhaps in a buddhist or eastern meditation we we need to try and force out the bad thoughts that we would in some way keep the good thoughts that we would by our own strength stay in a good way that we would keep ourselves good or perhaps the voices of today that that call us to be good or a better person to, to prove that you're a good person to be kind to be patient to be gentle to be a good person to demonstrate that you support the right causes and don't say the wrong thing that you wear the right badges and keep the right colors and talk the right way And keep the correct values and virtues of others. Because if not, then you will be punished. The world says you you must prove yourself. You must work your way up the ladder of goodness that someone else has constructed 
that someday, somehow, maybe you will have peace. But all this is exhausting. It is exhausting because if it's up to our efforts, then nothing is ever good enough. Nothing will be good enough. There's always more. But the love of God is different. Because God loves, God's love comes to us freely as a gift in Jesus Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. That nothing is enough. And that's the point. The old hymn says it well, saying, Nothing in my hand I bring, only to thy cross I cling. As the Lord says, come to me with empty hands. Come to me with your suffering, with your sadness, and with your sin. Come to me acknowledging your need of me. As the love of God is a free gift of grace extended to us in Jesus. That we would know his boundless, eternal love for ourselves. As we ask, well, will God ever stop loving me? Well, how can he? As his love has no beginning and it has no end. Because he loves us with an everlasting love. I wonder, do you know this love for yourself? Have you come to trust in the Lord Jesus that you would know the love of God in your own heart? That you would put down all the things that you think you need to do to come to God and surrender them to him and receive the love of God in Jesus? Let me leave this question with you this morning as we reflect. Why is knowing God's love so important? Why is it so important? Let me pray. Father God, we are amazed by your love for us. That you have opened the floodgates of heaven and poured out your love upon us in the Lord Jesus. That we can do nothing but surrender our lives to you and praise you from the bottom of our hearts. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us in light of your love uh, to respond in love to you and to others. That we would bring you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now that does bring us uh, to the end of our service this morning. My prayer is as the Lord has spoken to you this morning. Uh, He's encouraged your heart. He's warmed your heart. He's inclined your heart toward him. And if you would like someone to pray with you, do pray with the person that came alongside you or do find somebody who's got a a prayer ministry lanyard uh, and they'd love to pray with you before you go. Please don't leave uh, without praying with someone uh, this morning. And some words just to encourage our hearts, uh, the message uh, that uh, Colin shared with us, just some words from 1 John 4. God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. 
In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Amen.